Green Street Joinery and the American Craftsman Podcast are proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist in Montana, USA. With numerous patents dating back to the invention of the Hexshank system by our founders, we strive to produce accessories that add precision, flexibility, and efficiency to your toolkit. In addition to woodworking tools, we produce many high-quality cutting tools that are used by the aerospace, medical, automotive, and industrial markets. Our end product has a fit and finish that is beyond comparison. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. For 10% off your order, visit MontanaBrandTools.com and use the coupon code AmericanCraftsman. Well, here we are. Episode 4 of Season 2. I tell you, it seems like it was just uh, today. It seems like it was just five minutes ago we <laughs> we recorded Episode 3. Some uh, new format we got. Yeah. Man. Whose idea was this? I don't know. We're going to have to have a uh, meeting. Uh, They're going to be put on administrative leave. <laughs> Paid. <laughs> Paid. Going to bring this up at the Monday morning meeting. Yeah, man. <laughs> what a marathon. We're going to shoot four Patreon shows after this. Yeah. If you're interested in, uh, you know, a little extra content there, go check out the Patreon. I don't know what we're going to talk about then. Yeah, you get some live stream action going every quarter. You get a weekly bonus episode where... Uh, we're going to be covering other subject matter. We might touch on this stuff a little bit, but uh, we're going to use that as our outlet for uh, all of our musings and complaints. and Disgruntlements. Uh, yeah, going to be giving you all kinds of tips and tricks and all that good stuff. Yeah, like uh, plant your corn early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, watch out for witchcraft. You're Don't be, mess. You're going to get all this info. We've got a new camera angle. All these... Got, I mean, how thick is the packet today? 20 pages? Uh, yeah, maybe at least. So you get 20 pages of of, uh, of study guides <laughs> for, uh, you know, each of these um, 12 periods. You got to be some kind of furniture nerd to be reading this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we learned, we learned a lot. We did learn an awful lot. So... And this was just the first episode, mm-hmm. the the first series, I'll sit, call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, first, uh, first furniture. Uh, it's like grouping. a unit. Yeah, like the the uh, early American unit. Yeah, I mean, we enjoyed it because I guess we are furniture nerds. Yeah. <laughs> what can you say? Guilty. <laughs> It's like anything, you know, you when you're talking about minutia like this. Mm-hmm. Like when I uh, used to hang out like the motorcycle club and things. You're just talking about gear ratios and, oh, a, a curve in a, in a particular road mm-hmm. or something that nobody would have the slightest interest in. Yeah. Um, That's why we find ourselves getting caught in conversations like in the shop when if somebody comes by and you start to talk. I mean, we talk. We talked to this woman yesterday for, <laughs> I don't even know, half hour sh- yeah. without taking a breath. I mean, she's like, I got to go. She's like, the grandkids got to go to soccer. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, the idea with these fourth episodes is to sort of uh, tie tie a portion of it into to present day. Mm-hmm. So how do the, you know, how does something from the early American period, um, how is it relevant today? So, 
you may see this fourth episode evolve maybe more than the other ones. Yeah. Um, but today we decided to focus on uh, the trestle table, which was a, you know, a big part of the early American period. So huge. I uh, started off here with a little quote from uh, Christopher Schwartz. You might know him, Lost Art Press, actually author of at least one book back there. The trestle table is an early achievement of structural structural engineering. It is lightweight. Sometimes. <laughs> I could pick up an eight-foot example with one arm, and yet it is impossibly sturdy. It requires a minimum amount of material. It is portable, and most of all, it is a beautiful form. Again, Christopher Schwartz of Lost Art Press. Yeah. He's talking about the classic example of the trestle table. Right. Um, which... Uh, I have the name in here somewhere. Yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, so according to, to Joan Glogues, a social history of furniture design from B.C. 1300 to A.D. 1960, there are only two forms of furniture, a block, a bo sorry, a box. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a block and a box, I guess kind of the same thing. A box or a platform. Yeah. I'd say maybe things have changed a little bit uh, yes. since 1960, but could um, could fit most things into that. You know, cabinet's a box. That's right. Table's a platform. Right. I, I think that's what she's alluding to. Like a bed is a platform. Mm -hmm. A shelf. A cabinet's a box. Yeah. No matter how ornate. Set of kitchen cabinets is a series of boxes. A charcuterie board is a platform for... Or charcuterie. For cheese and grapes and no real charcuterie, but... Crackers. Crackers, um, deli sliced salami, mm. maybe a Hormel pepperoni. Some of that uh, cracker barrel cheese. Yeah, port wine, like log that's covered in Nuts. chopped pecans. Oh. Yeah. You got my charcuterie juices flowing over yeah. here. Um... <laughs> When it comes to boxes, nothing is more boxy than a chest. When it comes to platforms, nothing supersedes a trestle table. Did you write that, or is that a quote from the book? That's a quote from the book. Oh, okay. Um, and since at least medieval times, trestle tables have been a staple of the finer castles, manors, and huts of the Western world. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that line. <laughs> I guess the ones that weren't so well off just had, like, uh, maybe the eight on the floor. I mean, the finer huts of yeah. the world. For the serfs. <laughs> um, the trestle table is the oldest type of American dining table. And the predecessor was called uh, a table board and frame. So literally picture a board <laughs> yeah. with some trestles underneath. Um, and we'll get into the, uh, well, we'll get into it right now. A long, narrow plank of wood rested on a frame of several trestles. So trestle, if you don't know, like think of like a train trestle, you yeah. know, like a a uh, almost like an eye shaped structure that holds something up. Think of your race car tracks and things like mm -hmm. that when you were a kid. Um, an arrow plank of wood rested on a frame or several of several trestles or horizontal beams. These bridges of wood or horses were pegged and braced to the tabletop. The legs were designed to be easily dismantled for storage or moving and were very practical for traveling as the world was expanding. And see here a nice little, I'm going to put over Rob's head, a nice picture <laughs> of a trestle table, of a, you know, a period trestle table. 
Uh, before the Georgian period, which is like 1714 to 1837, the tops of trestle tables tend to be quite narrow. Uh, according to David Nell's English Country Furniture, 1500 to 1900. And, you know, why were they so narrow? Well, everybody sat on one side of the table. Yeah. It wasn't like now where you're sitting across from people. Um, and they could one board. Yeah, right. And so if you were if you were of the type that had a table, you had people serving you. <laughs> That's right. So you sat on one side and the servants <laughs> served you from the other side, um, almost like counter service. Hey, that's there you go. There's uh, the example right there. Yeah, and uh, the practical purpose it served was in case you were attacked, <laughs> you always sat with your back to the wall. You could flip the table over, and you know prevent yourself from getting killed. Yeah, that's no joke. That's yeah. that's actual true historical fact. Yeah, people sat with their back to the walls like in a mob movie. Right. Yeah, I always want to see the door when <laughs> if I go to a restaurant. I'm not going to sit with my back to the door. <laughs> got to assess any uh, potential threats. Drop that table down. <laughs> yeah, this is, and we're in New Jersey, too, so you never know what could happen. Um, and as home security improved and dining mores changed, the trestle table became wider uh, but shorter in length, and its basic form survives basically unchanged until now. And the, uh, the leg layout, which is similar to like a pedestal table, it allowed people to sit more comfortably, you know, without getting all hung up in right. their legs. So we'll see how that now translates um, into use for us uh, when we get, you know, requests from clients. Uh, early American trestle tables find their roots in the dormant and refectory tables of the Middle Ages. So the dormant table was a trestle table. It usually had like a, a covering on it, like a, uh, a runner, I guess you would say, of fabric. And it was uh, that helped imply that it was stationary. You know, trestle tables a lot of times were used and moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is the first sort of example of a stationary piece of furniture in terms of table. Um, so the, the, the runner was the sign that, okay, this is a more permanent, permanent yeah, fixture. I like that. Um, monasteries in the medieval times had a refectory, a room for congregate group dining. And a very long trestle table was popular in these rooms and commonly became known as refectory tables. In the late Middle Ages, the refectory trestle table became the table preferred for banquets and feasts held in castles or high estates. So we've all seen, you know, in movies, the kind of Harry Potter, you know. Oh, yes, yes. So those were trestle tables there at Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean, I, I even think about like the Viking movies and things mm -hmm. like that. Everybody's sitting at one of those long tables. Yeah, you're not. You don't picture like a, a four legged table with an apron when you're no. when you're thinking about you know King Arthur or uh, the Vikings. It's a very, you know, we talked about the Jacobian that rectilinear, heavy sort of look. That the trestle table has that look. The other yeah. tables really. Do not right as soon as you start getting into those finer and legs, pedestal so. table kind of I don't know I don't know when the pedestal table originated at least for dining you know you like the candlestick type tables and stuff um, I know are pretty old but for dining it seems like a more of a modern kind of thing um, maybe like late eighteen hundreds yeah like when did the round table become fashionable like a round dining table everybody faced one another right yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out as we yeah, continue on our research. And probably things like service 
adapt with it. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we're talking about everybody served, you know, and you're facing them and you know, this you've in fact schooled me on it where service comes from a particular side. You don't put your don't arm put the in back front. of your arm to someone. Yeah. You never show them the back of your arm. Yeah. Then you'll see the back of their hands. <laughs> Uh, early American trestle tables were typically massive and heavy. So you're starting to move away from that um, portability type mm. thing that even Christopher Schwartz was talking about, you know, that he could lift up an eight-foot. Yeah, because he's one thinking hand. about, if you could imagine, putting your arm around right, the yeah. table. That's how narrow it that's was. That's more of the, the, what do they call it, the plank and uh, uh, board and frame, mm-hmm. where it's like, a piece of one by 10 with, <laughs> yeah. you know, some trestles underneath of it. A couple of saw horses. Yeah. More like what we would call like almost like a buffet. Yes. Um, yes. So they primarily used oak and pine. We see that same, same thing as the chest. Pine was a very common top material, mm-hmm. I guess, because, um, you know, it's lightweight, maybe easier to flatten a big piece of pine yeah, than it work. is to, to do a piece of oak. So the trestles typically made of oak and the top was made of pine. Um, the designs followed those found in England, but they, they continue to adapt here as we saw, um, you know, at the very beginning, they're basically copies of English designs and then, um, kind of changed as the decades went on here in, in the new world. Um, so the American tables were moving more towards the simple rectilinear, uh, rectilinear legs, whereas the English had some more shape and the carvings and stuff. Yeah, the carvings were big there. Uh, so the carving, there was a lot of carving going on here, but they were flat carvings like you see on the Hartford chest where, um, you know, the surface still remains flat, but everything is carved in. Um, kind of like, more like engraving into wood, like you would see on like a, you know, a, a watch or something like that. Um where you're not making them so 3D, you're more taking out the negative space and leaving mm-hmm. a flat, a flat emboss. Um, flowers and lunettes were common, like we said in the, in the Hartford chest, tulips, sunflowers, stuff like that. Um, but they weren't as ornate as what was going on in in England. And uh, a lot of them they use keyed tenons. So you have uh, I have an example here that I actually drew, which I guess we'll get into um, once we start talking about how how we use the trestle design mm. um so the the trestles the tabletop sits on top of the trestles and there's like a a a horizontal beam i guess you would call it that runs through the middle of the trestles a lot of times and they would have keyed tenons that you know located those and uh kept them from falling over yeah um keeps everything nice and upright so nowadays like a lot of a lot of the tables that we get are um oh no I do have more here I had this I had this big link this is another I'm going to I'm going to have you see a picture of a keyed tenon over oh, here Oh nice You hold it up I'm holding up the books <laughs> Not working <laughs> Um and a lot of times they were paired with spindleback chairs which I think uh, very similar to the cane chairs that we talked about in episode one, where, you know, they have these turned um, uprights with these, you know, turned horizontals and stuff. And um, 
The trestle table is still a very popular design and oftentimes the most functional design for larger tables. So that's where we come into to present day. Like the all the tables that we get asked to price are typically really big tables. Yeah. Because, I like a trestle table. Yeah, if you if you're most of the time with custom work, excuse me. You're getting something custom because you can't find um what you want or need commercially, at least in in our experience. That's where yeah. a lot of our business comes from. Um, can't find what you need, so you have to go to somebody custom. You can't really find a lot of tables that are like 14 feet long, no. 16 feet long. Even 10 feet. Yeah. So, you know, we get approached often, you know, we need a table that's going to seat 18 people. <laughs> we want it to balance on the edge of a knife. Yeah. <laughs> So imagine trying to design a table that can seat 18 people with legs and an apron. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a leg every every six feet. Yeah, it's, and it gets in everybody's way. Yeah, and it just looks dopey, Yeah, completely dopey. So uh, what I'll do here is I have Fusion up on my computer. And uh, can you see it at all? Oh, yeah. Um, let me see. Get this mic closer to my face. I have Fusion up here. Let me see if I can turn this without. Okay. One, two. Um, here's my mouse. So there he is. Here I drew a, a trestle table, and you know I didn't paint over the design a, a whole lot, so it's not not the sexiest table. It's classic, but it is yeah a trestle table. Now um, I'll, I'll overlay the image here of the table, the video, um, onto the screen. So this table is 192 inches long. And How much is that in feet? That's pretty big. That's, that's like 16 feet. Um, yeah, I think that is 16, right? I don't know. 12 is 144. Plus another Well, 96 times 2 yeah. is huh. 198. Or 180, 188? I think it's 192 for... Uh, 16 feet. Yeah. It sounds right. Yeah. Well, let's see here. I have breadboards. 167. Ah, I don't know. It's something like 16 feet. It's big. It's 50 inches across. And it's still... Yeah, it, it still looks, looks long, right? Pretty narrow. Yeah. Um, I have three trestles. And they're made up of uh, pieces that are three by five. You know, with a nice taper cut onto them. They have, uh, there's breadboards, which not typical to the early American yeah. trestle table or trestle tables, you know, prior to that, more of a modern kind of thing. You know, we're dealing with a 50 inch wide tabletop. Um, so you're going to need something there to keep that thing flat. <laughs> it's a 16 foot, you know, you got 14 feet of, of side grain glue up with two 12 inch breadboards. You know, on a breadboard, you know what I read? That, you know, it led to a lot of cupping and stuff like that on the tables was because on the table, it's always getting wet on the top. People washing yeah, yeah. it. That makes sense. So here, let's uh get rid of the top and we'll get rid of the breadboards. You can see this substructure here. So these are the trestles. You have uh, mortise and tenon joinery. 
see, uh, we'll go over here to the center. So you see, we got a big tenon coming out of this center section. And same thing at the bottom. So this is just a big mortise and tenon joint. Very strong. You know, this is going to be super solid. Those are three, you know, three inch by eight yeah. inch tenons by, I think they're an inch wide. That's some timber. Um, and you can see here the keyed tenons. Let me get rid of the center mid. Here's your tenon. There's your mortise. Get rid of this. There's your tapered mortise. So it's got a pretty gentle taper on it. This goes from an inch down to three quarter. But there you got your your key tenon. Pull this up so you can see. So you could put put your uh, stand your trestles up, run that beam through, put these key tenons on either side. It's gonna lock everything together. Yeah. But it's still able to be taken apart. Um. Yeah, aside from the top, everything's pretty light, you know, as an individual piece. Right. And, you know, we're going with a uh, a non-typical non size here. You know, this is a lot bigger than... This might be something that you found in a medieval yeah. banquet kind of deal. Something yeah. big like this. but Definitely banquet hall size. I think even then they probably had multiple smaller tables that they sort of butted up into one another. Oh yeah, because the top's going to be limited by the the size of the the board that they can harvest. Right. Yeah, they weren't doing a lot of joining of the the boards. Um, you know, we don't we just don't get as big timber today. And you know, I got a question. Where does the river table come in in this? <laughs> that was a. Uh... <laughs> I better bite my tongue. Was that the Viking? I was going to say something extra snarky. <laughs> I mean, the trestle table's all go well and good, but what about the river table? <laughs> that was those Catholics that were persecuting the Puritans. <laughs> they invented that. <laughs> the river table? Yeah. You know, like, go down, we're going down to the river. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a Catholic song. That's Baptist. Yeah. That's that's the Reverend Al Green. <laughs> yeah, I, the trestle table is probably my. Like if somebody asked me to design a dining room table, that's my favorite. That's my signal for we got to stretch it. All right. Well, let's talk about the evolution of epoxy and its uh, oh effect on the dining room table. Well, it all started with the dinosaurs, and then <laughs> they died. Then we turn their bodies into epoxy. I mean, that's a design that has been around for 700 years mm -hmm. and is still as pertinent, you know, maybe for a couple of different reasons. But yep. can you think, uh, it's hard to think of anything else that's that intact over that amount of time. Um... Yeah. 
it's definitely, I'd say, one of the oldest, you know, uh, maintained sort of aesthetics is yeah. something like that, the trestle table. Because you could see it in a home today. Oh, yeah. And there's lots of different trestle designs, right, not just right. you know, the kind that I drew. Um, even, like, you built the trestle table with the angled, mm -hmm. you know, so you can you can spin it all kinds of ways. Yeah, sure. Um, it... What was I going to say? I totally lost my train of thought. Um, but the luxury to work with those size beams and mm -hmm. boards and everything, that's pretty cool. I mean, I I love the thought of that. Like yeah. those those center sections that you drew yeah. where it's like a big hunk with a tenon on mm -hmm. top. That, that kind of, you know, thrills me in a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to make, you know, you make these sub-assemblies and, you know. That uh, yeah, I'd love to build something like that. That's why you know I'm I like the Nakashima stuff because a lot of his stuff has that trestle mm -hmm. design to it, where it's a a foot and a vertical portion and a horizontal um, with joint you know joinery and um, he he sort of took that aesthetic and made it lighter and more organic sort of looking where yeah it's very again the rectilinear look and that heavy. You know, it's not an organic kind of look when you're talking about like a medieval to early American kind of trestle look. Um, more, I don't know, looks more industrial is not the right word, but. Yeah, you know what's funny? Also, in the old, old examples, there's no live edge. Like where where did that become a, a fashionable thing? Like it, yeah, it, it well, doesn't. With, like, George Nakashima was a big part of that. Yeah. I don't know who his. I know he didn't. There's no way he invented it, unless maybe he did. But he really brought that into the, the modern home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that if there's a Japanese influence there. It might be something we're not aware of. Yeah. Because I would have expected to see more of that in those like really early examples, mm -hmm. like fell in a tree, you know, flattening it on one side for the top. Yeah, they probably saw that as, as like, half-assing it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what do you mean? We're going to leave that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just spent a seven-year unpaid apprenticeship. Yeah. All I got was a T-shirt. I just spent three pence on this table. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can appreciate live edge in certain yeah, situations, but for the most part, it's been used and abused. Yeah, just like the butterfly yeah. and everything. That's um, unfortunate. That's another George Nakashima kind of thing. It's, ta it's taken a beating, the old uh, live edge. Yeah, like it was supposed to highlight the natural beauty of a specific piece of wood, and now it's just any piece of wood. Right. It's like I got this junky, this like side of the road piece pallet. of wood that not even pallet, but like a tree that was never, never should have been a piece of furniture wood, was never up to snuff. And we filled it and stabilized the, the punky parts with, with penetrating epoxy and we put colored epoxy in and some bow ties where they didn't belong. And it's, I don't know, it's like taking a minute steak and, and like, and like stacking five of them up and putting like sauteed mushrooms on the top and saying it's a steak. I thought you were gonna like pretend it was Chateau Briand. 
Well, yeah, that's what I'm getting <laughs> Wrap at. Wrap it up in some buffet tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like making beef wellington with steakums. Yeah, there you go. Ah, the beef wellington. Mm. I'm not sure if I've ever actually had that. Yeah, we used to make these uh, little hors d'oeuvres, little past hors d'oeuvres. Mm-hmm. Uh, mini puff pastries with a yeah, uh, piece little, of beef tenderloin in there. Porcini mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, the old days in the kitchen. Yeah. So uh, can we maybe recap or not recap, yeah. but we have any thoughts about the early American period as a whole? Well, we could. Yeah, we could kind of go back and, um, you know, there's all these socioeconomic yep. um, influences. Because as we're talking about furniture design, we have to talk about, the, um, you know, uh, the manufacturing of it and how mm-hmm. that influences it and uh, people who are customers purchasing it, mm-hmm. the, the craftspeople who are making it. Um, and... Although they're a completely different set of circumstances, they're almost they almost mirror what we experience today. Yeah, um, which is interesting. I would have thought it would come out a little bit different mm-hmm. than it did, um, because we're we're going back to a time when the country is really just a rough colony. Um, the circumstances in people's lives were totally different living conditions. Yeah. Yet all these drivers have a, have a close relative in the things that drive our business today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have people fleeing a country because of persecution. They come here and it starts off as more of a, a, um, a necessity because, mm-hmm. you know, you move to a place with no, there's nothing here. There's some native people, but there's no there's no civilization as they knew it in Europe because you know um, there's big cities and stuff in 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 Europe that the New World didn't have any of that, um, so they have to come here and start building things, and it's all out of necessity. And then people get a little settled, and you see the artful side of the design start to come out more, um, and and the individuality of the American design starts to become a thing where they move away from the, the English designs and they start coming up with their own riffs on these things. I'm interested to see what happens once, um, there's like a full on, um, you know, severing of ties. Once the America becomes America, Mm -hmm. the United States, how that influences our concept of design. Right. Because we don't want to probably rely on, uh, you know, the old uh, George and everything that's named after a a royal term. Yeah, and there's got to be, you know, start to be a rejection of the English style because there's an animosity there. I'm wondering how that comes comes to pass. Yeah, like post-American revolution, um, which must be... What period would that be? Would well, it be federal? Yeah, I know the federal period's coming up. Let me see. That, I think that bottom piece of paper there has all the periods on it. All the way on the bottom. It's like ripped. Uh, maybe not. I must have taken it upstairs, but yeah. I had it I had it all jotted down. Let me see. I might have it here in my notes. Notes. 
podcast season two. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. It's not on there. Maybe it is right here. Excuse me. Podcast. Podcast. Where is? Yeah. There. So, the next section will be. No. Pennsylvania Dutch is in there, too. Yeah, okay. So, colonial, Pennsylvania Dutch, federal, Sheridan, American Empire, Shaker, Victorian, Arts and Crafts, Art Nouveau, Traditional Revival, and Modern. I'm surprised Shaker's that far down. Yeah. I'm going to have to double-check the order on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there have been a lot of surprises so far, so. Yeah. Um, So, we must be talking... American Empire is when maybe that's the post revolution? No, I'm I'm guessing Federal? that's like eighteen hundreds. Let's see. Sheridan. Furniture. History. So that's early eighteen hundreds, Sheridan. Okay. So I'm sure the the federal probably 1790 to 1820. So federal probably spanned pre-revolution and post-revolution. Yeah. Because that's only 20, you know, Sheridan was only 10 years after the end of the revolution. That's cool. Yeah. That's when you start getting into the more, you know, looks like your Philadelphia high boy kind of stuff. I mean, look at this. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's some opulent stuff. Really? Yeah, that's that's for the upper crust. Bird's eye maple. But we don't want to we don't want to ruin anything for you guys. We won't we won't talk about the Sheridan anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I think uh, this has got to be the most mundane out of them all. I mean, I think it's going to only yeah. get more interesting as we go as we. As things get more, um, I don't know, like as things ramp up because, you know, you can see by the end of the early American period, like furniture making is becoming an actual thing. It's, and yeah, that's it, what I was going to say. It's becoming an industry, um, whereas before it's just an, a necessity. It's all right. vernacular furniture. People need a table. They need a, a, a cupboard, uh, you know. Now people are becoming more established. They have permanent residents you know they're these towns are growing and people more people are starting to come yeah there's you know import export starts to happen so you might see influence coming from you know we saw here like influence coming from the west indies mahogany starts to come up Mm -hmm. um you know cities start developing where there's people with money and who have worldly tastes and so it should be pretty interesting yeah i know there's stuff that comes from asia like japanning is yeah yeah is a a verb, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to cover. Yeah, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do it. I will be able to do it. <laughs> we're we're the guys to yeah. do it. Um. So, what do we got going on in the shop? Maybe we touch on that at the uh, on the Patreon the culmination of this. Oh, here of this, uh, fourth fourth episode. Well, um, 
What's in the shop is definitely based more on modern. The stuff that's we're waiting on the stone, that's definitely yeah. modern. We got yeah, modern wall unit. Um I mean straight out of that that textbook there of uh modern design, simple, you know. Yeah. Angular Talk about form. rectilinear. Yeah. Um uh got some some work coming up for the church. We'll be uh doing a little extension of the altar rail mm-hmm. um so a little rework on that they 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 love the altar rail but they um they, they just, want more room they yeah. want more of it yeah i think we tried to talk them into that originally <laughs> yes. but. well they worry about it going too far into the congregation yeah they i think they were a little afraid of the the response they might get yeah now that people love it so we're gonna, we're gonna push it out a foot yeah um yeah, so bit a bunch of work recently, some uh, some more wacky kind of stuff. At yeah. least one one part of it's wacky. A modern, another uh, wall whole wall system, fireplace, bench kind of deal with some maybe some paneling and shelves and more more modern. A lot of this stuff that's coming from this particular design group mm-hmm. is sort of like a it's a trimmed down modern you know it's modern in in basic form but mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't have the same kind of like flair almost that yeah you know it's that it's, it's like it's contemporary it's yeah not there modern. you go contemporary it's not like better. yeah like you might think of modern as as like in the future this is like yeah. just you know, the very simple, clean, more hearkening back to the mid-century kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, and they, they seem to all be uh, looking at the same uh, articles. That's It's a flavor of the times right now. Um, but That slat wall kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I do like the aesthetic. Um, it's not... The thing is, like, I like the way it looks. It's just not the most fun to build. No, it's pretty... There's not a lot of accessories there. Yeah, it's just kind of like. <laughs> but you know what I say? Thank God it's not white painted shaker. Well, yeah, we wouldn't even remember, be bidding it. Remember that period? Oh, God. Well, it's still a thing. We just don't get those calls, thankfully. Oh, but uh, it was like everything was. Yeah. Oh, man. We scared all those people off. <laughs> like, yeah, we got to want this eight foot tall pantry or this eight foot tall linen cabinet for the bathroom and the budget's $900. Like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to cost us that to deliver it and put it in. I know. And that's if we're doing you a, a solid. Yeah, that's that's getting the uh, friends price. Yeah, and we ain't friends. No. Not even close. No, not at all. Yeah. But, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we get something real weird soon. Did just get an email about, I won't say what it is because probably jinx myself. <laughs> something very intriguing. So intriguing's good. You know, we love to get something that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um when we when we say, all right, we want this, now how are we gonna do it? Right. That, that's kind of our favorite project. Yeah. Cause hey, the more of those you can stick under your belt, the better. Yeah, yeah. Like uh um well we're waiting for the stained glass to go in. Yeah, we gotta follow up on that. Uh, I'd like to get some pictures of that door that we built. Yeah, with the stained glass in it. 
Well, now we got to remember we're talking a month in the future, so maybe oh. all these things have will have come to fruition. Oh, by yeah, that's right. This is a month down the road. So, yeah, so man, well, that stained glass looks great, doesn't yeah, it? We hit the Powerball last week. <laughs> it, I mean, what a blessing. That's right. By now, we will have disappeared. Yeah. We'll be doing the podcast remotely from an undisclosed in two Fiji. different locations with, like, our faces blurred out. Oh, man, that's funny. We'll have had uh, extensive reconstructive plastic surgery to change our appearance that's so that it. people don't know who we are. We'll have, uh, by the time, when when we uh, record our next episode, we'll have been to Maker's Camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's in two weeks. So th- when this airs, we'll have gone to Maker's Camp already. Yeah. Yeah, so... You'll hear about Maker's Camp in uh, in about about five weeks. Yeah. Well, no. From this, two weeks, one week. Yeah. Maybe we should do a, a special uh, Patreon episode uh, recapping Maker's Camp. Yeah. That's well, yeah, we could talk about it on that first. Yeah. Because that'll only be a week after. Oh, Maker's okay. Camp. There you go. Yeah, because we should be due, if we're going to do it a week early, second week in October, which right. is, yeah, that's, Baker's Camp is first week. That was just my stomach growling. I thought it was my chair. What time is it? 12.30. We've been at this since basically 8 o'clock. Oh, it's time for lunch. Yeah. Well, we're running a little light on time for this week, but, yeah, you know, we're still, we're still. Uh, we're working the kinks out. Yeah. Yeah, hey, if it's not enough, you gotta head over to the Patreon and get another uh another yeah, nice another little dose. half hour, a little forty five minutes sometime. Who knows? We lose yeah. track in there because we're gonna be going on <laughs> about all kinds of different stuff. Um we got a live stream coming up. Uh, I guess after this if this is airing in four weeks, it should be in like a week or two. Uh the next live stream for patrons, and we don't have a subject for that yet. Gotta we're gonna have to pry that out of the patrons. Yeah. Um what what they wanna know about. We want to know about more pricing information, more design, live design workshop, or uh, some kind of technique. So who knows? Do a couple hours of live stream. Yeah, could um, be anything. Yeah. But yeah, hope you guys are enjoying the new new format. And we'll see you next week for uh, the first episode of the colonial. colonial period of American Furniture. Yeah. Awesome. All right. See you next week.